Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere AroPay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor. Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante. ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en. ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso. Sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? In this episode, we are joined by the one and only María Elena Salinas, one of the pioneers of Spanish language journalism in the United States, and a woman who continues to lead an impeccable career that spans over four decades while telling our stories and impacting our communities in endless ways. Today, we talk about her most important assignment, motherhood. She'll open up about her biggest triumphs, joys, tribulations, and regrets along her motherhood journey as she shares some of her most important lessons learned. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Motherish. Welcome to Motherish. We have Marilena Salinas today. I am beyond excited. Of course, she's like one of my role models, a dear friend. And I think we're going to... We're going to take a lot of lessons from this episode. I never imagined a moment like this because obviously I know of Maria Elena Salinas from like, you know, way before I was in the industry, let's say. And so to be sitting in this moment about to have a conversation with her about motherhood is very much like, what? It's so cool. It's very exciting for me. And I'm super excited for everyone that's going to hear this because I know she's going to drop some knowledge. I know. So let's get started. Why don't we start with our mother's moment of the week? So my mother's moment of the week is related to one of Victoria's friends at school. Um, you know, at the start of the school year, we were so excited because she was going to be in school with Bill, which is a friend of hers from when they were like six months old. And so we were like, great, they're going to hit it off. It's going to be great. So Bill, we're still cool. Everything's great. We hang out with Bill. But another little boy has come into the picture. And I don't like to like assume, you know, like boy, the <laughs> whatever. I hate when people are like, I assume novio. No, I don't do that. We can't do that. However, this is a very good friend of hers now. And they have exchanged multiple gifts to each mm -hmm. other. So she will be like... Reminder Victoria's three. Yes. So she'll be like, Mami, le quiero mandar un regalo a mi amigo. And I'm like, okay. And so her friend, her, his name is Santi, has also now started giving her gifts. And it's like this whole thing about like, 
Sometimes she'll be at home, she'll be like, Mami, me ha llamado Santi? Me ha mandado un mensaje? And I'm like, no, because I'm communicating with the mom. Because listen to this psycho thing Victoria did. Like, one day she's going to hear this, it's going to be bad. But like, she decided to gift Santi a wall hook with the letter V. She goes, para que siempre tenga la letra de mi nombre en su cuarto. I'm like, that's worse than leaving a toothbrush at your boyfriend's house. That's worse. Like, this is crazy. But anyway, what I did want to say is that now that I've gotten to know his family and everything a little bit more, it's so cute because the parents do this like side hustle thing where they've created a whole like series of children's books in Spanish. It's all around this character called Ota, el hipopótamo. And Ota Lipopotama has amazing Spanish books that are not, it's not like one word, you know, like it's actually a story and it has little songs and it's super cute. And so I'm like, I'm into the entrepreneurship of the family and her friend. It's super cute. And I will be gifting Ford some Ota books. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Okay, so let me think. You know, I could barely think of a moment because I've had such a... I think um, four has been sick this week. week. Yeah, yeah, four has been sick. I think last episode on Tuesday, he had just gotten, when we we taped a few days ago, another episode, and he had just gotten diagnosed with mouth, foot. Hand, foot, mouth. Yeah, hand, foot, mouth, um, which is like the virus. That there's not much you could do about it, but kind of just wait and watch them suffer through it pretty much. But I want to announce that it has not been bad at all. I was praying that, you know, everyone's like, oh, some people get it very mild, some people get it really bad. I was praying it was very mild. It has been very mild. But I guess my mother's moment has to do with how needy they get when they're sick and how it's like a double-edged sword. Like, I love the fact that he only wants to be held by me and, you know, and he just needs me. And I'm kind of enjoying those moments because he's already at the age where he wants to be like running around and playing. And I know it's only going to get worse through the years, but it's been nice. But it's also been very physically exhausting to have to be on demand. He hasn't been sleep at his regular hours. He's been wanting to be sleep in bed with me, which I am not used to. (laughs) So it has been like a combination of like enjoying those moments where I know he is not going to last for a long time and he's going to be healed and well in a few days, hopefully, and he'll be back to like sleeping in his bed and crib and playing around. So I have been enjoying those cuddly moments with my sick little baby. Enjoy it. Um, All right, Maria Elena, do you have a motherish moment to share with us? Yes, I do. And thank you for that very nice introduction. Uh, So, you know, motherish moments for someone like me are a little bit different because my daughters are 25 and 27. But, you know, you'll always be a mother and they'll always be your babies. And I think that the mother's moment for me this week would be that my youngest daughter, Gabby, who's in New York, got her first paycheck uh, from her new job. (laughs) Amazing. And why is it important? Because after she graduated from college, she stayed in New York. She got a job at an agency throughout the pandemic or most of the pandemic. And then she decided she wanted to try... uh, a different career, uh, more into fashion. So she did go into fashion and it was not a good experience. She was there maybe about almost a year, about nine months or maybe 10 months. And, you know, she ended up leaving that job. To her, it was like really difficult to leave that job because she didn't want to disappoint me. I remember her crying and thinking, I don't want you to think I'm a loser. And I said, no, if you're unhappy, you're unhappy. And if you feel it's a toxic environment, then you don't need to put up with that. And, you know, you're very talented. You'll be able to find a job. So she, you know, it took a couple months, but she finally found the job that she likes, that pays a lot more than the one before. She's going to start paying part of her rent now <laughs> because I've been paying her rent. And today she got her first paycheck. So that's my mother's Wow, that's, that's a amazing. huge one. Yes. Of the week. 
because she's very, very happy, very excited, you know, to start a new job and to finally, you know, have some money because she hates to ask for money. I mean, rarely does she ask, ever ask me. She's a good saver. So I'm very proud that she learned that from me because I've been telling them forever to save, 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 save. So ever since her first job, she said, here's my budget. And then she had, you know, almost half of her salary saved for savings. I said, no, you have to remember life. Like you have to put, you have to do contingencies on your budget, like include life. What's life? And I said, well, you got to get your nails done. You got to get your hair cut or, you know, you want to go out and have a drink with your friends. Said, you have to budget for that too. I think Marlena needs no introduction. You know, it's very hard to introduce someone that I think has such an impeccable, notable career. And she continues to reinvent herself and continues to tell her stories and impact our community in many ways. Now she's a collaborator with ABC News. As many of you know, over 37 years, she was at Univision, one of the pioneers in journalism overall in this country. She became America's voice. And I have the blessing and the privilege of calling her my friend. She's been a great mentor to me and to millions, I think, of young ladies and gentlemen in this country who have looked up to her. But today, and I know we shared a few of these moments personally when it comes to motherhood, I think you haven't had a lot of platforms where you get to speak about that journey. And I want to take us from the beginning because I feel like every woman's journey is very different when they come and they, you know, when they stumble upon motherhood. And I think in your case, you were very intentional. Did you always want to be a mom, Marielena? I always wanted to be a mom. Yeah, I didn't stumble on mothership. I wanted it. I wanted it since I was very young. So I have two older sisters. And when I was 14, both of them had babies. And I was their babysitter. Myself and my best friends, we babysat the three babies, right? It was my cousin's baby and my other two sisters' babies. And ever since then, I think I got that maternal instinct. And what I wanted more than anything else was to, you know, one day have a baby. And, and I wanted to have a lot of babies. So I wanted to have five babies, in fact. So, you know, it took a while. I did get married when I was in my early 20s. The marriage lasted less than two years, and we had planned on having babies after two years of marriage, so I didn't have any then. And then another 11 years went by before I remarried, and I was able to have um, another try. I do have to tell you that I did consider during that time to maybe, you know, have a mom with a sperm donor or something like that, because I really wanted, and you know, I wasn't married again, and I was already in my mid-30s, and I really wanted to have a baby. So finally I got married again, I was about 37, and I intended to have a baby, I had two miscarriages, and then I had my Julia, and then I had another miscarriage, and then I had Gabby. I guess since I wanted five kids, I kinda did, but three of them went to heaven before their time. So I guess that dream came true. You know, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I always thought that motherhood was going to be really easy, that it was going to be a piece of cake. My mother made it seem that way. She was very hardworking. You know, she raised three daughters. Of course, my dad was there too, but my mother was more hands-on. So I thought, oh, being a working mom is easy. But, you know, it didn't end up being as easy as she made it look. So, yeah, I wish I had learned more from her. And let me remind everyone, this happens when you are in the midst of, of a very demanding career. You know, so why don't we put that into context as well? Like when that moment came, and I know because you wanted it so much in your heart, I'm sure you were able to find it. But what was the biggest challenge to balance it all? Being in the limelight, being in a demanding job, being in a job that required you to leave your baby many times for a very long time. So why don't we put that a little bit into context and what were the biggest challenges during that season? Yeah, that was really difficult because by the time I had my, my daughters, I was already more than a decade into my, my career. 
So it wasn't the kind of thing where you choose, oh, should I choose my career over motherhood? It, because it wasn't a job, it's different. You know, jobs come and go and family is there, the most important thing. And Pam, you're in this business too, so you know when you have established a career of this type, especially the role that I had at Univision, it's not something that you just say, oh, I'm, I'm gonna leave it and I'll get another job later. No, it, it wasn't that way. I already had a, a real commitment. I felt like I already had a relationship and a commitment, almost like a marriage, not to Univision, to the audience, to the Latino community. That's who I became very attached to. So it was very difficult. You know, um, you know, I wrote a book about 15 years ago and in that book, there's a part that's called, Do You Have Work Mom? And that's what my little Gabby used to tell me when I would come back from a trip. Because the big thing then was if you're on assignment on a trip and then you come back, the same day you should be in the newscast and then, you know, the audience will be impressed that, wow, you worked so hard because you were there yesterday and now you're here today. So we always had to come in right away. And what she wanted is that when I came back from a trip, she wanted me to stay home that day. She wanted me to be home with her because she hadn't seen me for several days. So I remember that I started that chapter with a letter to my daughters, you know, explaining to them that even though some moms prioritize maybe their job before being mothers, that for me, it was just something that I was doing until I had daughters. Because I wanted to be a mom before I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a mom before I wanted, you know, a career like this. It was hard. It was very difficult. And I had so many incidents in which my daughters were, you know, would ask me if I could be home with them. When they're babies, you feel guilty. And you think that you are harming your children. As they grow older, you realize that it's more important for you to be there or that they miss you more when you're a little older than when they're babies. When they're babies, they don't even notice that you're gone. And it wasn't until they were a little older that they kind of started asking me. I recall one incident in which I was going to interview Bill Richardson. So Bill Richardson was gonna launch a presidential campaign and I was going to Santa Fe to interview him. And my daughter said, Mom, why can't, she used to come Jorge Mamos, why can't Jorge Mamos go? <laughs> I said, honey, it's a privilege for me as a woman to have been given this exclusive interview with Bill Richardson, who is running for president and could very well be the first Latino president of the United States. So she kind of understood. And then they used to do a lot of artwork. So she made a really big card for me with a beautiful drawing. And inside she said, mom, have a good trip. I hope that you inspire a lot of people. So she understood, you know, she understood the assignment. She understood what my role was. And just like throughout my career, I remember taking them sometimes on assignment with me. Sometimes when I would get an award, I would take them with me so they would hear what people say about the, you know, possible impact that my job can have and why am I getting this award so that they would understand my job. So it wasn't just that mom is not here because she prefers her job than her family. Mom is not here because she has a career that requires a lot of dedication, that requires a lot of commitment and a lot of your time. So I opted for, you know, whatever I could. And my option was quality over quantity. If I could not be with them the amount of hours that I wanted to be with them, then when I was there, I needed to be present 100% or 150% if necessary. They needed to understand that they were my priority when I was home. And even when I wasn't home, I would call them, I would bring them little gifts. I don't know, they had little dolls from all over the world. Wherever I traveled, they would have little dolls or something because they, they needed that, you know? It's, there was one point where I was writing a column. I was a columnist for about 10 years and my deadline was on Monday. So on the weekends I would be writing. And a few months into that, I said, no, this is not gonna work. 
So, I, you know, I didn't leave the column. I just changed the deadline to Wednesday so I can be working on it Monday and Tuesday and not in the weekend, just be with them and make sure that they understand that they are the most important thing in my life. It's interesting. I love that about exposing them to listening to other people talk about their mothers. It's funny. My mom told me this story a few months ago, actually, too. She's like, you know, I always thought of my mom. Her, So my grandmother was a teacher, a very beloved teacher. But at home, she was very straight and very cold with her children, with my mom and her siblings. And she said one day they were awarding her the Teacher of the Year Award. So we all went as a family to see this. And when people were talking about my mom, I feel like I didn't know my mom. And it put in perspective all the sacrifice she was making and how respected and beloved she was among her students and her colleagues. And sometimes you you don't see your mom in that way. And it's, it's so interesting the way that you, in a way, you know, expose them to like, they're more knowledgeable of like what you're doing, what your job entitles and, and the impact that you're having so they could understand a little bit of, of the sacrifice. Right. And then I also took them on assignments a couple of times. Of course, you ladies can't do that because your kids are too little. But eventually when they're a little bit older, I took Julia to when I covered the first anniversary of Katrina. So she got to see what that was like and during the live shots and the taping and the destruction that was there and these things happen and then journalists have to tell the stories of things that happen but she must have I don't remember exactly how old she was but she she was definitely maybe 10 or, or between 8 and 12 sometime like that I don't remember I have to do the numbers to figure out how old she was but you know that kind of thing I would take them with me sometimes to conferences to the National Association of Hispanic Journalists conferences that were always somewhere else sometimes I would take them with me and they would stay in the hotel and or maybe my ex husband would be there or, or someone else, one of my colleagues or a relative or someone would be there to spend time with them while I was busy doing something else. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor... Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante... ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Pablo! ¿Entendiste? Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? Marielna, you sound like a superhero mom, right? And in your tone and your delivery, I hear a lot of determination, a lot of assertiveness. But I, I want to know just from a like human aspect, after you gave birth to your children, did you ever have any sort of like postpartum experience or like, did you ever feel overwhelmed? Like, how did you manage the human aspect of being a very focused professional and very focused on your motherhood role? Like, were there any weak moments in between? Does this happen to you? I didn't have postpartum depression. I was overjoyed. Remember, I had been trying to have a baby for years and years and years. There's nothing that I wanted more in my life than to be a mom. I mean, that was the most important thing to me. So I didn't have postpartum depression. I mean, I was lucky in the sense that 
I had help, you know, I was able to afford, you know, a, a nanny. My sister came to help me, my mom came to help me, my niece Cece came to help me. So I had some, you know, a little bit of help. You know, not everybody is able to afford that. I do remember that what was very frustrating is it was very difficult for me to breastfeed. That part of it really was very depressing because I tried and tried and tried. And then after my first baby, after Julia, I had a C-section, both of them, because they were breached. Both of them were breached. So I have some kind of defect in there in my uterus that doesn't allow the babies to have their heads down. So my scar was infected. I had 104 or 105 fever. I didn't even know that the fever can go that high. So it was very painful. It was so physically it was it was painful at the same time that I was trying to breastfeed. It was very frustrating for me. And I had, you know, La Lechele come over my house. We tried to do everything possible. I mean, I was able to eventually, but I didn't do it as long as I wish with both of them. I didn't do it as long as I wish I had. And that was very frustrating for me because I thought that that was very important because I don't know if you, if you ladies breastfed, but the connection that you feel with your child when you're breastfeeding is the most unbelievable connection and the most unbelievable feeling that you can have, you know, that you are one that you are feeding them, that they, they, you know, they were in you and now they're out and now they're still, you're still part of them. They're still part of you. So I think that was the, probably the, the frustrating part. But like I said, of course, when I had to go back to work, it was kind of, I missed them. But, you know, I think it was just pure joy. And yeah, it's, you know, it's difficult to be a mom. You know what I hate is when they say that maternity leave is like having vacation. <laughs> That's not true. It's very hard. You I mean, you don't sleep. You don't sleep. That's what they always say when you're pregnant. Uh, any women that are out there listening that are pregnant and people tell you, you better sleep before, you have to understand that they mean it because after you have a baby, it's very difficult to get sleep. You have to wake up every couple of hours. And even when you're trying to sleep, when they sleep, you're worried that, are they breathing? Are they turned around <laughs> right? Are, you know, is, is the pillow on right? Okay, so you, um, so this happens so, to you. <laughs> so you're human. So you're human. Right? <laughs> so you have these thoughts too. <laughs> I, I got a little bit emotional when you're telling the story and I, I mean, Ford's not at that stage, but you said sometimes they get harder when they get older and Victoria is also very verbal when they start like they comienzan a reclamar no yeah. like when they start demanding in a more direct verbal and even through the drawings I remember that Don Mario Don Francisco one time during dinner I don't know if you've heard the story too he came home after a trip and the son had done his drawing so he drawn the whole family normal size and that that had been drawn very very little the symbolism of like, you're not that present, you're this little in my life, really had a toll on Don, on Don Francisco and Don Mario. And, you know, when you started saying about like the drawings, I thought it was going to be like a very like, you know, sad drawing. But I can only imagine like how hard does it get when they're already old enough and they're like, listen, I need you to be here. I want you to be here. And you still have to come up with the right answers, right? Not in, not only for them, because I think kids are very resilient and they understand, but even for yourself. I get emotional just thinking about it. Like, el día que me reclame for it, I'm going to be like, oh my God. You know, so how do you manage those emotions yeah. and, and how do you stay grounded on, on what's important? I know Maria told me that, Don Francisco told me that story too. And what his response was that he created, I don't remember if it was Martes Familiares or Martes Especiales. So every Tuesday, the kids knew that Tuesday he was going to be with them the entire evening. He wasn't going to work. He was just going to be with them. You know, hopefully we can do more than one day, you know, for us. Uh, but at the time he was so busy, he could only do one day where he could actually commit to not doing anything else. Well, the guilt is inevitable. There's nothing you can do about it. You can try to rationalize it, but 
I think all mothers feel that way at some point. You know, I'm part of a group of professional women and some other, you know, women that are either nonprofits or politics or they're lawyers or they own their or they're, you know, entrepreneurs. And we have a, an email that we support each other in, in, in different ways, usually professionally, but also personally. And, and just yesterday, one of them said, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with trying to be as professional as you can at work and use those same skills and that same determination in being a mom and not being able to to be there for your kids as much as you're there for work. And, you know, everybody answered, everybody goes through the same thing. And the guilt is gonna be there. I don't think that you can erase it. I don't think that you can fix it. You just have to learn how to live with it. I think, you know, now, many years later, when I can look back, I would say the only regret is not having said no every once in a while. Because I remember having a conversation with my youngest daughter, with Gabby, where, or with both of them really, about how there were some things that were optional. Some trips were optional, some trips, you know, the majority I had to go, but there were a few where it was my choice to go. You know, and, and her question was, and this is years later, was it your option to go to Iraq? I think that trip affected them so much. They were 10 and 12 when I went to Iraq. I was there three weeks. Scary for that. I don't know what they were seeing. I don't know what they were being told. I don't know if they were watching news because they were too little to watch news. Remember, their dad is a journalist too, so maybe he was telling them, or I don't know. But it really affected them. And since then, they always asked me about Iraq. So here she is, 20-something years old, and asking, was it your option to go to Iraq? I mean, because that really affected her. And when I say that I wish I would have said no once in a while, that's not one of the ones because I thought that was a very important coverage that we did. And you know that we are storytellers. The reason why we do what we do is to be able to tell stories, is to be able to give the information out there that's valuable. You know, it's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of journalists that can do it, but that's part of your job to tell these stories. And that was a story that needed to be told in the way that we know how to tell stories, which is not just what you read, but actually being there on the ground and talking to people and seeing how people feel. And in that case, talking to some of, of the troops, the Latino troops, uh, seeing some of the collateral damage that was done, you know, telling the kids stories. I remember I did a, a story that was called the kids of war and the, and the casualties of all these children that died because of this bombing. So those stories were important. But every once in a while, I should have said no to an assignment. I'll give you one example where I definitely should have said no. Julia, the oldest one, she was graduated from kindergarten. I came from Los Angeles. In LA, I was, uh, you know, I covered politics and I covered politics all, all my career. In LA, we didn't have political representation. Right now we have some pretty bad political oh, representation in LA, but that's another story. Um, we didn't have political representation. So Antonio Villarregosa was running for mayor and there was a good chance that he was going to win. But it was the same day of Julia's graduation. My rationale was, okay, her dad's going to be there, her grandparents are going to be there, my sister's going to be there, you know, her sisters are going to be there, everybody's going to be there, so it's okay, right? She's not going to be alone. And I went. Now, he lost that election. He won later on. But not because he lost that election do I regret it, but that was, you know, I lost sight of what's important there, I think. I should have been there for her graduation. I really thought that it was important that I should have been there. Maybe not for her, maybe for me, I don't know. But every once in a while, you gotta stop and think, do I really, really, really need to leave and do this? When you're a mother, especially when you're a single mother, you have to make very tough decisions, but you have to prioritize yourself up to a certain point. You can't ignore yourself. If you're strong and if you're happy, 
then you can make your children happy. You can't make your children happy and give love to them if you don't love yourself. I think that's also been my main concern where like I never wanted to lose the essence of who I was before I was a mom, but I realized I'm a different person. So it's not like I could ever be the same person I was. I also never say no to work. I don't mind. I love what I do. And I, you know, it's like it fulfills me and it makes me happy. And I think in return, I'm a better mom because I'm a happier professional, happier person. So it's weird navigating this thing and trying to find the balance. But I do feel like um, you are the same person. You just have, you know, different priorities and you have maybe different activities and a different outlook on life. But you're the same, the same person. The essence of you is not different. It's just, you know, we grow and we grow in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think we, Karen and I have spoken about this. A lot of our identity was very connected to our careers. Like career really defined who we were before we can become. So we, we don't want to let go too much of it because that's kind of like who we are as a person. And I guess for me, it has been very therapeutical and fulfilling to also be able to do my role at work and do a good job at it and continue. And just, I haven't felt, I mean, maybe at the beginning a little bit. Now I feel like I'm back, I guess, on on track where I'm like, I could balance both things and I, you know, I'm available and I'm willing to take on trips and I'm, you know, they tell me to, you know, for Uvalde in Texas, like flew that same day. Like, and it kind of gives me like, I feel like that rush is like addicting and, and fulfilling and good. But I know that sometimes at the expense of your child, right? Like in some way. Well, mind you, I didn't realize that until now. <laughs> when I stopped to look back, I said, oh my God, maybe I should have said no once in a while. But when I was doing the work, I didn't even really think about it twice, you know, because that's the, that's what we need to do. And now I think, okay, how could I have done that differently? Maybe just each one of those trips, each one of those assignments, or maybe some of the, you know, that I've been very active in, in with my civic engagement and with different nonprofit organizations and, you know, with the get out the vote campaigns and, you know, emceeing events and things like that. Maybe some of those trips I should, I could have said no to. So I think, you know, each one you kind of weigh but, you know, how can you not go to Uvalde? Look, the same thing's happening to me now. So I'm a contributor with ABC News. And, you know, a contributor means I don't work full time. In my contract, I ask for a type of stories. Like I want to do a minimum and I want to do a maximum of stories, a minimum or maximum. And now more because there's other things that I want to work on also besides the stories in ABC News. You know, I'm not even six months in and I'm already past half of the stories that I need to do. So this past couple of weeks, I've done three trips, three stories. But I couldn't say no to them. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but I did an interview with one of the survivors of the yes, truck. Yes, that was amazing. Uh, that uh, of the trader, oh, where they found 53 migrants dead in near San Antonio. I'm not going to say no to that assignment. That's so it's such an important story. And then two others that you'll see when they come out. But it just kind of shows our commitment to our craft and to our career. Our career is not just a job. Our career requires for you to care about stories, for you to care about what happens in the world, for you to care about telling the stories to you, for you to care about your audience and the people that you're talking to and making sure that they get that information. Hacer tequila Don Julio es como escribir una carta de amor a México. Beber tequila Don Julio es como declarar ese amor al mundo entero. Don Julio es el tequila de lujo original Hecho con la misma pasión que recorre las raíces de nuestro país. Porque si no es por amor, ¿para qué? 
Consume responsablemente. Don Julio Tequila, 40% alcohol por volumen 2020, importado por Diageo, America's New York, New York. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor... Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante... ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? So it's different than if you were working, you know, in certain jobs where, where maybe you can tomorrow work extra hours, but today stay home with them. Or today work 14, 15 hours and get that project done so that tomorrow you can take a few hours off. We can't do that. It's funny because I feel like, Karen, you don't have a heart. I mean, of course it's hard, but I'm saying you're okay when you go on a work trip, but then it's harder to leave Victoria when it's just like a fun trip. For me, it's it's positioned in a in a different way. I, I think it's very clear from listening to both of you that your career paths have a very different kind of lens than than some other ones. I could possibly compare it to like, I don't know, doctors. There's a civic responsibility to the, the work that you do. And I think it's a little bit different. My job, I would almost say that it's a little bit more, almost like hitting the ego in a way, because it is what you can, how much you can grow, how much you can, you know, like have more influence within a company, within a closed space. It's a different dynamic. But yeah, I mean, for me, my career was, so much of who I was because it was what I pride myself so much on the career that I had started to build and how, you know, did it on my own and everything. But definitely motherhood was, it hit me like, like a ton of bricks. And now, you know, why? Because it, it really, it made me question my identity. And that is a very, like, that's a very big thing to question. Um, and it's a very big thing to put in debate, right? I was actually earlier just talking to my little brother about my little brother. He's 25, but he's my, he's still my little brother because, you know, he's having a hard time with work and everything. And I'm like, you have to understand that at this moment in your life, your work is everything, right? If your work is good, you feel good. If your work is shaky, then you feel shaky because it takes up like 95% of the pie. I said, but, and I said, and I, I understand you because I've been there, but right now, I don't know. I think my daughter has made me really realize that it's not 95% of the pie anymore, my work. And it's less than that because she takes up so much space. And I don't think I have found yet the way to kind of weave both of them together, which is what I gather from both of you. You kind of bob and weave in between these things, but it creates like a very yeah. nice wave. Yeah, you're right. You know, I remember if you look back at uh, Pam's interviews throughout the years, Almost in all of them, when they ask her what she wants, she'll say she wants to be a mom, right? I remember that. You, in mine, it, it said, I want to find balance in my life. That was like, ¿Qué te falta? Or, you know, ¿Qué te falta por hacer? Yo encontrar balance en mi vida. I mean, I always said that because it's so hard to find that balance. And it's, it's hard to find that balance, not, not only in terms of your time and how to balance your time, and, but also 
how much do you give of yourself to all these different things? You know, because you can't help but to feel guilty of not being there all the time with your kids and being a full-time mom. And then with your career also, you want to be the best professional that you can and you want to continue to grow. Everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to grow personally and professionally. So it's understandable that you would want to grow within your company because it's part of you. But just finding that balance, I don't know. It's There's some women that think you can't have it all. I used to think you could have it all, but there's some people say, no, you can't. You just have to take what you can. You have to do the best that you can do in both. I think my happy medium right now is that I take it day by day and I make a choice every day. So every day it's like, this is going to be a really good mother day for me. This is a day where I'm going to be the best mom that I want to be to my daughter and have and be really present with her, kind of like what you were saying before. And then there are other days where I know I see you wake up, you look at the calendar and you're like, this is not going to be one of those days. This is going to be a day where I really need to dive into work and that's going to be my priority. And I have to delegate and lean on other people to help me support Victoria. But if, if I take it as a kind of day by day perspective instead of an overwhelming kind of like higher level view at my life as a whole, then it feels a lot better. And then the other thing is just actively, you know, practicing gratitude. I'm grateful that I have a job that I feel that I'm good at. I'm grateful that I am a mother. I'm grateful that I have a support system. And that helps kind of keep the ups and downs a little bit more stable. Another important component, I think, of this, that I think maybe drives me to be more, you know, continue to be committed to my job is the financial aspect of it. I think once I became a mom, I became so much more concerned and worried about financial stability for my son and I, that I think work took another more important role. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think it's important to kind of highlight, I need to work. I need to provide for my son. I need to be able, yeah, no, and I'm saying maybe that's also a big motivator for me to not be mediocre in my job. I want to continue to be very good at it. I want to continue. I'm in a very competitive field because I have to provide for my son. It's not just like, I'm saying like the pretty side of it of like, oh, being, you know, career and I love my job and all this. But it's also like this is reality. I need to provide. I need to put food on the table. I need to pay for schools. I need to pay for all this. I am a little bit more stressed and at the same time more committed because I want to maintain that financial stability. You know, so I think once you become a mom, like I feel like for me, at least it changed my perspective so much. You know, my financial priorities, my I'm planning ahead now. You know, I got the life insurance, like, like all the stuff. Like it's just it's a completely different ball game when I think another, especially when you're a single parent, when another person relies on you 100 percent. I don't yeah. know if that maybe pushes me to kind of find so the balance. My stepdaughters would call that adulting. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sometimes they say, why didn't you tell us that adulting was so hard? <laughs> That's adulting. I mean, really, when you really start realizing that you're, I don't know if to say the head of the household, but that your responsibilities are are huge and that there's a lot of things that you have to think about. It's not just, you know, work and family. It's work and family and then how do I provide for them? And then how, you know, how do I plan for the future? It's, you know, I hadn't even thought about this. How, you know, do I have to start looking into the next school? You know, I don't know if to say that it gets easier. You become maybe more accustomed to it. You understand it better and you learn how to compartmentalize things and you know how to plan things. And if you need help to plan, then you look for help to plan. I mean, I subscribe to newsletters that have self-help and motivational articles all the time, you know, even at this stage of my life. In fact, maybe I need it even more at this stage of my life. But one thing that I, you know, appreciate that I learned growing up from my parents is 
don't be a conformist and don't allow yourself to be mediocre. So, which has always led me to live a life where I always want more, not more money, not more, you know, recognition. I want to grow more. I want to learn more. I want to do more. And when I can't do more, then I want to do something different than what I was doing before, because that will allow me to learn and grow personally or professionally. So I think that's good. It's a wonderful thing to feel that way. And it's a wonderful thing not to be a conformist and not to just settle and say, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, ride the wave and I'm just gonna, you know, push the easy button through life. The important thing I think in life is to live, not just to exist. And some people just exist. Just let's get by, let's pay our bills, let's get to the next day, let's get to the next year. We're gonna die eventually, so let's just get through this. No. You have to take advantage of each day, of each minute of your life. And sometimes that requires planning. And it's okay to plan. In fact, it's kind of exciting to plan. First, it's nerve-wracking. But then when you get the planning done, it's like a relief. Like, I got that done. I can my, get to the Lena, next month knowing or the amazing. next year knowing that I have to worry. When she was done with her with Univision, like in the transition, she did this amazing once-in-a-lifetime trip around the world. We could do a whole episode on that trip, but it's true what she's saying that you just got to live it. day. Just to close that up, Marilena, and I know we could go on forever, but now that you have Julia and Gabby and you have conversations with her and you guys, you know, if you could share some lessons. I know the first one you shared was you could say no sometimes to some assignments. What are just two other lessons that if you could go back, you know, maybe they could be successes, like something that you succeeded at during motherhood or maybe something that you would have done differently. I had this like wild idea that I'm going to work, 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 work when they're little so that I could save money and then I can retire and I don't have to work anymore. I never took into account that by the time that happens, they don't want to hang out with me anymore. It's too late. <laughs> you know, when they're teenagers or when they have to go off to college, it's like, no, you know, they're, they're done already. So that was one mistake that I made. And I think that right now I enjoy them so much and I still feel like I need to be there for them. Even now that I take trips and my oldest daughter, Julia, lives with me, I want to come home fast. And then when I come home to see her, she's not here because she's with her boyfriend. But <laughs> we make sure to try to spend Sundays together. So always try to make a plan for Sundays. I try to talk to my daughter as many times a week as possible, the one that lives in New York. We plan things to them, like Thanksgiving and Christmas are super special. So we plan months in ahead and we do uh, you know, a menu and then who's going to cook what. And those are really exciting things to do. But, you know, as far as what, what I would have done differently, I think other than every once in a while say no, is maybe spend even more time with them. Maybe we did have a lot of conversations and I think that's one thing that we did right. I always try to give them, you know, advice, the same advice that I got from my mom. And there are certain things that are not things that fads that go in and out of style. There's certain values and morals that you can teach your children since they're very little and that they can be transferred generation through generation. And it's not a fad. So I think having those conversations with them since they were little, where you think things are going in one year and not the other. Now, when they're older, you realize that they did learn something, that they keep part of that in their brain. And now, you know, when my daughter's use social media to promote a story I did or make a comment on my social media. They never did that before. It <laughs> makes me see that they are proud of me. The other day, Gabby put, you know, boss lady and badass. And I said, you've never said that to me. <laughs> yeah, mom, you're a badass. You've never in your life said that to me. You know, I was like, 
25 years old and it took this long for you to, to say that to me. I think that makes me feel good because I think what, whatever happened, whatever I feel guilty about not being there for them, I wouldn't say that it paid off because it didn't. It still would have been better if I was there more. But it didn't hurt them. And that is a great satisfaction. You know, they're strong, they're decent human beings, they're kind, they're independent. And, you know, I'm proud of them. So when you can say that you're proud of your kids and see them thriving, I think that that is a great satisfaction to us as parents, to us as mothers, to know that at least there's something that we did right. So like, we shouldn't beat ourselves up about having to find that balance and about, you know, being working moms because your kids are going to be okay as long as you give them the love and the attention and make them feel strong and independent and loved and confident. <laughs> I think confidence is something really important. You want your kids to be confident. You want them to believe in themselves. And that's something that you can do. It's free. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't even take that much time, just the time that you have with them. Make them feel like they, they're loved and make them feel like they're the most important thing in, in, in life. We're both crying now. Karen and I are crying. We're like an emotional mess. That was very beautiful and that was very, um, that was very valid and aspirational. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marilena, for joining us. And you guys are great moms. Love your kids. High five. We're good moms. <laughs> You're a good mom if you're listening to. Thank you, Marina, so much. I know you have a busy schedule. Take it easy, please. Get some rest. You've been Thank nonstop. You. Besitos. Hacer tequila Don Julio es como escribir una carta de amor a México. Beber tequila Don Julio es como declarar ese amor al mundo entero. Don Julio es el tequila de lujo original. Hecho con la misma pasión que recorre las raíces de nuestro país. Porque si no es por amor, ¿para qué? Consume responsablemente. Don Julio Tequila, 40% alcohol por volumen 2020, importado por Diageo America's New York, New York. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere algo. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor... Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante... ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? <risa>